everybody. Today we have our, I believe he is our first guest on our podcast, and uh, he's one of our favorites. He's definitely the first one returning, right, Kelly? Yep. Mr. John. He was in such demand that we, we had, had to have him back. back. Yeah. So much going on. We got to hear more. <laughs> exactly. John Diamore, right? Diamore. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thank Welcome. You. Yeah. Thank Good to see you, John. Good seeing you both. <laughs> Wonderful you. seeing you. Put a little uh, sunshine in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, what are we going to talk about today? I know you have a new book well, that you yeah. got out, right? Well, you, you know, you're you're the interviewer. Yeah. I can yeah. talk about. We want to hear about me. your new book. Talk about whatever you want. <laughs> Did well, you, you co-wrote the new book, right? You wrote it with someone else. I, I well, no, I wrote the book by myself. Uh, okay. It came from a screenplay that was written by me and somebody else. Okay. Uh, somebody Lord, else. Lord Firmino. Yes, Lord <laughs> Who was Firmino, it that you wrote it with? She wrote it. She did a great job. And, uh, and. It, sorry, John. Uh, she didn't hear you, the no. name. It's Laura Fuino. Oh. Laura Fuino. Laura Fuino. Oh, okay. We know Laura. She's mm -hmm. in front of you guys. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, Laura came to me, I don't know, a decade ago. Seems a little longer, but I think that's what it was. <laughs> and um, we just met one another. Uh, if you really want to know how it happened, how we met folks, buy the book. She wrote the forward, and uh, she okay. tells the entire story about how we met at a printing shop in North Hollywood, California. Oh, uh, and, the good uh, old valley. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, she saw my last name on the cover of one of my, I was probably running off a copy of my screenplay for The Boss Always Sits in the Back, and she saw my name on the cover, and you know, she's Italian, I'm Italian. She immediately started speaking to me in Italian, under the assumption I know anything more than just the curses that I heard my parents uh, and my aunts and uncles say when I was a kid. So, so I just told her, I, I don't have a clue what you're saying, and fortunately she broke into perfect English. Oh. And uh, and then you know told me about uh, we chatted for a little bit, and she told me about an idea she had for a screenplay that uh, you know she had just reached a point at after only twenty or twenty two pages something like that, uh, and just didn't know where to go after that. And uh, by this time, I was doing my script writer a uh, script uh, doctor work for mm -hmm. the screenplays and, and the production companies. And uh, so she came to me going, you know, what should I do? And uh, we, you wanna work on this together? And If you like our videos, go ahead and click on like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And you know, I don't have to tell either of you who've lived in, in LA uh, and Southern California that uh, when you're in that business, you are constantly approached by people to, right. who, once you have a, a, an in in the industry, like I was fortunate enough to have, uh, they immediately, uh, can you help me write my screenplay? Write my screenplay with me, help me. Um, but I, I never wanted to really turn people down, uh, especially Italian women. Uh, so, so pretty, pretty I, Italian uh, women. Uh, <laughs> and, they don't necessarily have to be Italian, but anyway. Um, uh, so, so I figured, as I would normally do, to uh, when friends would approach me, I'd say, "Okay, you know, send me the first uh, 15, 20 pages." In Laura's case, it was like, "Send me everything you got." And and so, I, like I said, it was only like max 22 pages. So, and and normally it would be something that I would go. <sighs> okay, it's full. Of, it's full of problems. You know, it's. I would just use an entire pen on the first ten pages. You know, to uh, to make my edits and stuff. And oddly enough, uh, you know, Laura's was a, a really good story, and it was well written. She just, you know, she just had some uh, minor flaws that I was able to take, and we expanded on it. And so I, we did write the screenplay together. So that's uh, where that came from. But now, you know, years later, oddly enough, uh, more recently, uh, the, the new advent of Netflix 
uh, a director uh, dealing with Netflix right now uh, is asking for the script, but uh, has certain guidelines, like all the cursing needs to be taken out. Hmm. Uh, so now it's only like five pages long. No, <laughs> uh, so all the you know cursing had to be taken out, and of course the sex scenes, and then they have a uh, a page count uh, limit that they want it to go to mm -hmm. uh, to fit into certain time elements, and um, and uh, that's it. So the tough part now is taking a hundred page, a hundred and sixteen page script and chopping uh, a dozen or two uh, pages off of it. But you know, being the amazing writer and screen the script doctor that I am, <laughs> I will do it. Uh, <laughs> Duty calls. Uh, absolutely. But the the great part about writing the book when I decided. Let me take this screenplay, and as, again, uh, those of you who've worked in the industry or even those of you who haven't can understand, in a, in a screenplay, you need to give the skeleton of the story. You know, tell as much as you can, but you can't expand on, too much on character development. You need to get right there uh, to it. Uh, so in a screenplay where you're limited to uh, a, uh, a page count, writing a book, I had, I had no limit whatsoever. I could take, you know, eight pages to say what uh, one half of a screenplay page would say. And it was wonderful. So, you know, I, I literally took the screenplay. And as it says on the cover, uh, it was based on a, on a story from me and Laura. So that's cool. But um I took the story and blew it out immensely. Uh, and, and it turned out to be one damn good story. And I'm, you know, obviously I'm not speaking from my point of view because every writer thinks what they write is gold, you know, so. How would you uh, classify a rub down? Is it a thriller or is it a. That's know? really, you know, that's really a, an interesting question because I was just on with my, uh, with the formatter today who does all the work turning it into an ebook and all that. And we had to set it up on Barnes and Noble and iTunes and Amazon. And they asked the same questions, you know, for keywords and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What do you see it as? Well, it definitely is fiction. Uh, it is definitely has a female protagonist, which is, uh, which is uh, great uh, because uh, it just tells a wonderful story of a woman who had been screwed over in life and gets revenge, gets what mm. everybody wants in the end, you know? <laughs> um, and then uh, let's say, so it is a thriller. Okay. I did put it under suspense. I also put it under erotica. Okay. If you take okay. into consideration that it's a, it's called rub down and right. uh, it, which, uh, you know, and a lot of it takes place in the, uh, in the very elite men's club mm -hmm. uh, that the, unfortunately, that the female protagonist gets nailed in or caught in, uh, even though uh, she's extremely innocent. Right. Uh, it's the most I'll tell you about the story, you know. Uh, Can but, I read what it says on your website about it? You know, uh, you know, Kelly, I was just thinking, why don't you read what it says on my website about that? Well, just that the line that says a story of innocence, sex, betrayal, romance, trust, murder, and secret identities. Oh. So it sounds like it's got everything that you could want. In a absolutely. It and a little absolutely bit of everything. Does. Mm -hmm. It absolutely Do you does. Juicy. Juicy um, stuff. Yeah, it is. I can vouch. I actually heard a little in, bit about this project when you and Laura were first writing the screenplay, I believe. We had readings for it, weren't I, you? I don't know if I was in the reading, but I remember hearing about the story, and I know it's based on a, someone's personal experience, I believe. Is that, isn't that true? Someone that well, she now, now that it's been chopped down and edited so much, I think, I think if if that were to be true, it's probably about two paragraphs, or maybe oh, okay. maybe Got about it. a half a page of, <laughs> of what it was. Is yeah. that what they call inspired by true events? No, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> call it whatever you want. You know. Yeah. 
I don't know. Don't quote me on Even in Deadfellas, in my book, Deadfellas, which winds up in the last three chapters having zombies in it, uh, even except for the zombies, in all stories that have been written, there's some truth. There's some, you know, there's somebody's story in there. I mean, somewhere the person who wrote or developed or even thought about Casablanca Mm. had to have experienced, he may not have been in Casablanca, but he experienced a woman that he loved who turned out to be married or, Mm -hmm. you know, went to a train station and had a letter that, you know, ran in in the rain, you know. Good point, good point. Something like that. There had to, there has to be that in every story. Certainly uh, in all now five of my books, uh, there's a little bit of truth in, in everything. There has to be. You, you need that in order to, uh, as your seed, even if it's not the primary seed, it might be a branch later on, but mm-hmm. it, you, know, you need something to go to grow from. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's got to relate to the human experience, something that people relate to. Absolutely. True. Yes, yes. Well, okay, so you have five books. What are they? What are your five books? Rub Down's the newest one. And then where did you start? What was the first one? Well, the first one was my memoir uh, that I really, that really started all this because when I wrote the manuscript for The Boss Always Sits in the Back. Yeah. uh, Which I I have on my shelf right there. I have on my shelf. That was a true story. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was, that's a true story. And it, it actually was something that took place uh, with members of the fa- of my family back in New Jersey. And when I was 22 years old, I was asked to be a part of this uh, scam that they were pulling off um, in Las Vegas in the mm-hmm. mid-1970s. Uh, so you can figure it out for yourself, folks. New Jersey, Italian, think about it. Uh, but, uh, you know... Mafia. They were- <laughs> they were much more uh, connected. I just did it yeah. because I was uh, sort of, you know, the innocent who just happened to be related to one of the people who was in charge. You were, I was going to say, you were a rock and roller too, so you had a good heart. I was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was more into uh, my music life at that right. time. Uh, so I did get to uh, have a little bit of the best of both worlds. <clears throat> Uh, in all honesty, and, and it was wonderful. And again, I was 22 years old. It was the mid-1970s. Uh, life was still uh, a lot of fun, folks, and uh, especially for a 22-year-old musician. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've heard a few of those stories. <laughs> you know, people always say, you should write a book about all that. I was like, man, that book has been written by so many other musicians uh that mine would mine would pale by comparison you know (laughs) so anyway um so i wrote the boss uh and didn't really plan on writing anything after that um and after i published it i had an amazing run of luck with it for a self-published book in that i was touring with it for like three and a half years where the average writer who writes a book, whether it's self-published or it's, you know, or or Random House publishes it, they're happy if they get a good six to 10 months out of it. And then they have this obligation to write something else or, you know, uh, you know, here today, gone later today, you know, and, and, and so I, uh, I had this, run of of amazing luck and i always said it was because america really did uh regardless of well i shouldn't say that i was gonna say regardless of where you are in america but there are places in america who just don't care about uh things like the mafia you know Mm. uh so but the um, uh, bulk of america has a uh, romantic fascination with the mafia in some fashion you know, I, I do believe that it is it is fading. You know, those kinds of movies are have pretty much have had their day. Well, um, you know, uh, there's a show on right now, Netflix Fargo, and they just did a big um, storyline about the mob that goes into Kansas City 
and all the different ethnic groups, you know, starts off with, I think, the Jews and then the Irish and then the Italians and the right. Blacks. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and in the, <clears throat> on, towards the end of the book, of The Boss, I talk about that, uh, about uh, how the Italian mafia of what, you know, we saw as the Edward G. Robinson, James Cagney movies of the 30s and 40s and stuff, and, and then into the 50s of what they considered uh, organized crime, but they wouldn't <clears throat> say the word uh, mafia. And then you come into uh, the 70s and, and the Godfather era with real, you know, people who knew what they were doing about making these movies yeah. and acting in these movies. Uh, so you had the, the early 70s to maybe like the mid 90s of really decent uh, movies of that genre. Uh, but now, and you know, sorry, uh, Mr. Scorsese, if you see this, um, I hope you got paid a lot of money for, uh, for, uh, the Irishman, the Irishman, the, the Irishman. Irishman. Yeah. Because it was three hours of time that I'll never have back again. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was everything that I know the person who wrote it has a great track record for films, but as I sat there watching it, as I'm sure many people did, because, you know, the, the the reviews of it were, if you knew about mob movies, it was here. And if you just were like, you know, from Omaha, Nebraska, and wanted to hear about that kind of stuff, it was up here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you won with your number of happy audience, but with the people who really knew the difference, especially writers, everything that we were taught as writers, get in late, get out early for each scene did not apply uh, in, in that movie. There was, there was a good, I would say 40 minutes that could have been chopped from that. But, you know, Netflix paid for it. They had the airtime. Uh, they certainly had the money to pay for a top-notch cast uh, and make it in a great period piece. I liked it. I liked it. I liked um, I seeing Joe it. Pesci again. Joe, I liked seeing Joe Pesci again. You know, because I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I you just know, happened to... I can tell you the story as to why you haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> okay, that'll be for our uh, next podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next, uh, next time. Uh, you know, he was, uh, but anyway, so <clears throat> so the point is this. Um, so I, I wrote the, the manuscript for the boss and, and just, you know, that was it. And I had that wonderful time with it. But then people started hitting me with, well, what's your next book? What, you know, you're going to write another story about these guys? And I couldn't. Uh, those guys were done. That was what I wrote about was their, their apex. They did not do anything <clears throat> better than that. Or mm -hmm. they were dead because of that. Not because I wrote the book, but they were dead because of what happened uh, uh, to, that caused me to write the book, uh, The Reasons. So I didn't want to write that, but I had some, so, uh, some stories left over that uh, I didn't use for the boss. And, and uh, my friend Steve and I, Steve Barr, we wrote a screenplay for Dead Fellas. And, uh, and again, you needed to compress everything down to, I think Dead Fellas is like an 89 page screenplay or something. Uh, so you couldn't tell all these great stories. So when I decided to turn it into a book, I had, you know, instead of the screenplay starting in 2002 and telling a little backstory so that you understand why these guys owned this big cabin in the Shoshone Mountains of Nevada, since the late 1950s. In the book, I actually started in the 1950s and show that they are buying this place and mm. had it built and the things that happened over the generations so that over time, over 40 years or whatever it might have been, over 200 dead mafia people had been buried on the grounds of this house that would eventually lead to them being zombies. 
Um, <laughs> ah. Ah. So, uh, a good old zombie story. I like that. So, so I, uh, you know, so I got to do that with that story. And, and so I put out Dead Fellas. And to be honest with you, a lot of people were like, ah, I don't want to read about zombies. And uh, uh, until they read it. Uh, and actually what had happened was the following year, I put out The Delivery Man, a non-mafia movie, still had, you know, it was about a vigilante who went around uh, doing, you know, getting justice for people who had done wrong to innocent people. Uh, and so people read that, you know, because they all knew somebody, if they hadn't gotten screwed over in life in the first place, they knew somebody who had gotten screwed over in their life. So they, they sort of liked the delivery man. So they read the boss and they liked the delivery man. And, you know, they were, a lot of them were like, well, let me give this other book of his, his a try. And, you know, because it's dead fellas, I, I wrote it in 13 chapters. And, I, and the zombies don't come in until the last three chapters. So by the time you get into the 10th chapter, you're already deep into mafia lore and mm -hmm. this story. And then all of a sudden things happen. And, uh, and I, I kid you not, folks, it is a fun, fun story. And it's not your standard uh, walking dead, uh, drooling goo out of their mouth uh, type stuff. Uh, so if, for those of you who might like that. And oddly enough, <clears throat> There is a, uh, after, after the book came out and stuff, I found out that there is a rather decent, I won't say large, but a decent sized mob zombie uh, uh, group Genre? out there. Oh, that, okay. you know, they love the mob on one hand and oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> like zombies. zombies too. <laughs> Bonus. Uh, oh my gosh, who knew, who knew? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, uh, you know, so like I said, so now then I put the delivery man out and that did, that did fine. And, and I got to tour on that and that was two years ago. And then um, over the holidays, I had over the last holidays, uh, 2019 to 2020, I had finished uh, uh, as long as I have lips, yeah. which again, right. Completely different genre. I think we talked about that the last time I was on. Mm -hmm. your show. Uh, it, it's a romantic comedy. Nobody dies. Uh, there's no zombies. There's no 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 vigilante who comes to kill you. Um, so uh, and it was just a romantic comedy uh, about the advertising industry. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. right. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, I was all booked to go tour for that. I was going to be in LA in April. <clears throat> I was a featured speaker at the uh, USC book fair that happens oh, every year. Yeah, I went to that one time. That's nice. Yeah, and I was supposed to be a featured speaker and I was going to be on a panel of, of things uh, and, uh, and which was going to happen in April. And so here I was booking all of this stuff in January and February. And I was gonna, from LA, I was gonna go right to uh, New York and New Jersey, mm -hmm. where you could tell by my accent, folks, I'm very well received. Uh, so I would do a bunch of readings uh, there and had booked those. And then lo and behold came the end of February uh, where, you know, everything got shut down. Yeah. And so I never got to uh, do my uh, tour or even, you know, uh, LA and New York uh, situation for uh, as long as I have lips. Mm -hmm. So I wound mm -hmm. up sitting at home and, uh, well, you know, I got this other script that's just sitting here. And I contacted Laura and I said, Laura, do you mind if I, you know, write a book? And of course, you know, we were all happy just to have product out there. Sure. Uh, and so I, and so she had no problem with it. And I took our, our screenplay and blew it out into, into a manuscript and uh, sent it out to a few editors. And they were like, this is a really good story. This is, you know, on the edge, one of those, I'm on the edge of my seat type wow. stuff. And uh, so, I decided to put that out. But in the meantime, while all of that was happening, because I couldn't tour and 
touring and getting in front of an audience, uh, certainly Kimbra as, as an entertainer can understand this. It's what we live to do. The, <laughs> the fact that, you know, it's always funny when I think about when I was a musician and uh, not counting the really good days where I made insane money for showing up in a studio for three hours and making more than my father did for working four weeks in a factory. Um, as a, when you start off as a musician, you're happy making 50 or $100 a night and schlepping your own instruments and amplifiers and PA systems. And I find that now, and that was in, in the early to mid seventies when I was doing it. Um, I find that musicians today in 2019, 2020, are still schlepping their stuff around and still happy to make $100 a night. If they if, make any money at all, yeah. you know? Right, yeah. right. You know, the love of the art, the love of doing. The yeah. the love of the audience. If, if yeah, you know, because they'll let you know if you're not good at it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's just that, you know, when I was a musician, they, we were always welcome them, you know, it was always a, a great time. And then when I started doing this uh, for my readings, the Zoom, or even just readings yeah. in front of an audience. Uh, you know, I talked to writers who would get, I don't know, 10, 12, even at a place like, what is that in, in Hollywood, a book soup or something like that? Right, uh, book soup in West Hollywood, yeah. You know, they'd be happy if they get 15, maybe 20 uh, people come to their book readings. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Uh, when I did my book reading in LA the first time uh, in the Valley, oddly enough, because Book Soup wanted to rape me uh, be, uh, for, for what they wanted. Uh, but anyway, but I did it in the Valley and, and I had uh, at my first reading 79 people. Wow. You know, and then when I went to New Jersey, when I constantly go to New Jersey, there are places there where I'll easily get over 60, 65 people yeah. constantly. Uh, you There's know. that place in Burbank you used to do also. Oh, there Tommy. you go, there you go. I, and when I did come back to do a boss reading and uh, then Dead Fellas and then the Delivery Men, uh, that's, a, that's a great story, but I don't want to waste a lot of your time on this, but that's actually a great story. Um, I'm trying to think we we were having somewhat of a problem getting booked in LA bookstores you know Barnes right. and Noble no offense Barnes and Noble but you don't make it easy for self-published authors and then and and you know just allowing us to stand there and sign books and not do a presentation takes a lot away okay but then there were other places like uh, book soup and Vromans who, you know, I sort of, let's just say that I'm still probably persona non grata when I contacted the vice president of that company that owns those places and told them that based on their contract and the money that they wanted up front from a self-published author, I said to him, I said, there's some guys back in New Jersey I know <laughs> we're doing time for extortion for asking less than what you asked for. He needs to read and your book. I know, right? Boss <laughs> always sits in the back. And, and the thing is, yeah. you know, I was I was telling him I will bring people into your into right. your store that have never been there before. Right. And you're going to get forty percent of my book. Yeah. They wanted money on top of that, and so mm -hmm. I just said, no, it wasn't going to happen. And lo and behold, the the reading that I arranged. Like I said, had like 76, 79 people show up that would have shown up at that bookstore. Okay. Yeah. You know. Well, you so, know what? That reminds me. I do want to bring up before we sum everything up our, our book, Kimbra. Yeah. Tales of the Lioness. Right. So I composed, this is, I can't remember when, about 10, 12 years ago. I um, got 19 stories from women who had gone uh, through fierce battles in life and they overcame them with great courage. And so I got those stories and did some editing to each one. And Kimber wrote a story and I wrote a couple yeah. stories. She did a great, you did a great job. 
John, I don't know if you remember this, but this was my introduction to you. You wrote one of our little quotes. That's right. By the men, and I pulled it up. I'm going to read it. So this uh -huh. is uh, John's quote in our Tales of the Lioness book. Okay. It says, women, I've lost my heart, my mind, a fortune, homes, careers, and friendships over them. Yet I long to be in an intelligent woman's company, life and heart. Life, oh. may, re life may teach us many lessons, but then there are women. Oh. I love that. It was perfect. It's beautiful. For yeah. yeah. So Great cool. job, John. Yeah, nice. Hey, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. <laughs> That's you what are. I do. You're good with words. You're good with my words. My last name means love. I mean, everything, you, yeah. you know, you got, you got it all out of me yep. uh, for that. Uh, so now, look, just so you know, Kelly, you know, those women, in the event, you know, uh, they probably, going what they went through in life that warranted them to write, each of them write their stories for that, they would all love a copy of Rubdown, and you and uh, I should talk about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you such a deal. But uh, <laughs> hey, not bad. And in time for the holidays because uh, we got to yeah, celebrate, yeah. right? Well, no. yeah, this would be a good right. gift. So, it's really so, in your life. So, so that's where that's what brought us to. Uh, uh, oh, the, so in Burbank, uh, I, I uh, was going to do a reading, and we couldn't find a place to do it that wasn't, that didn't want to, you know, ask for an uh, abominable amount of money up sure. front uh, because I'm self-published and, you know, and, uh, and they just know that they can take it. They or they think that all self-published authors are, it's a vanity project for us. Oh, look, sure. mom, I have a book on Amazon. Right. No, it's not like that at all. It's, it's something that, otherwise I wouldn't have written five books. Right. And, and did it the way I did it. But the point If you like our videos, go ahead and click on like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, so uh, so when I was coming back to LA to do to do some readings, uh, I couldn't find a place. I uh, just couldn't find a place. So a friend of mine was a uh, sometime comedian, and he said he was friends with the owner of a place in Burbank called Flappers. Uh, which is a very cool place, very large. I asked him, you know, can, does it have a, a room that, because I had never been there, you know, uh, does it have a room uh, where I could put in like 50, 60 people or so? And he said, sure, they have one room that holds, I believe it was 65, another one that holds 200. Okay, so I contacted the owner, a very wonderful uh, woman, and she said, uh, what do you want to do, you know? And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm going to come and do a reading. And uh, she goes, uh, I've never, we've never done a reading in our club before. And I says, not only uh, that, but I want to do it on a Saturday at about noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. Because obviously where they are in Burbank, they have all of these parking lots there because of all the shopping and stuff. So, so it's a great place. It's easy for people to park and then come right into the club. It was great. So she said, we've never done that. And uh, I don't know if uh, it's worth my time, meaning the club's time. I says, tell me what you need to make it worth your time. She says, well, I need you know, I think it was like 300 or 400 something dollars of a guarantee to put against my credit card to pay for uh, the kitchen help, the bartender, a waitress, uh, stuff like that. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, I, uh, because I knew that they were going to serve food. And I know that from his, his, you know, historically, whenever I did these events in restaurants, the restaurants just exceeded what they would normally do for that time of day. So I said, and she says, now you got to guarantee me, I, I think it was like 40 or 45 people. And I says, you know, and I had already promoted, you know, what I was going to be doing coming to LA. So I already knew that I would have that number of people. We just didn't know where it was going to be yet. So I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. No problem. So she takes a credit card number and, uh, I got some books shipped out there and I, I went out to LA and uh, the room held 65 and 
there were people lined up around the entire room. They were just, you know, every seat. I can vouch for that because I was there. Everybody (laughs) was like standing against the door uh, of the wall where there was available wall space. And then there were, you know, there were people outside where the doors are to come into the room, standing in the doorway uh, to come, you know, to watch. So, so when it was all said and done, I said to the woman, you're going to hit my credit card. She goes, are you crazy? She says, I, I, I did better on a Saturday afternoon when I'm not even open than this room normally does on a Saturday night. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and so I said, okay, that's wow. cool. So I did flappers. And then the following year, and if I'm not mistaken, the first time I did flappers, uh, Chris Carter, who hosts Breakfast with the Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, uh, and then just on KLOS, but now, of course, uh, on Sirius XM, uh, he, he does that for uh, uh, on, uh, on the Beatle channel, too. Well, he introduced me because not only is he a friend, I am a monster Beatle fan. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so he introduced me, and that was great. And then the following year, I went back and did Dead Fellas, and... Uh, and instead of having Chris, I had as uh, an even closer connection uh, to the Beatles by having Tim Piper, who was the star oh, yeah. of we know, Just we know Imagine. Yeah. Yes, and, and he's the star of Just Imagine. Uh, and he portrays John Lennon better than I've seen you know, anyone portray mm-hmm. John Lennon. And he got up and of course he pulled me up and we, we did a song. And so uh, that was great. And of course I filled it again and I called her up and I said, do you want my credit card? You know, to, you know, to, she goes, no, you just come back in, you're fine. So I came in, did dead fellas, fill the room again. Uh, the following year I did the delivery man. Tim Piper introduced me again. We did a different song uh, wow. together. Uh, and uh, same deal. I, I filled the room always with 60 or more people. Um, and, and folks, this is what you do if you're a self-published author <clears throat> and you're being extorted by bookstores uh, because they want to not just take 40% from you, uh, but also they want you to pay for any kind of advertising that that you need to pay for that they will even put in writing they can't guarantee you an audience they expect you to bring your own audience in so get your own audience go someplace do it and make whatever you can off of your books after mm-hmm. you print and, and ship them and promote the hell out of them the best you can uh, yeah. so anyway so i did that for the delivery man and of course i was booked to do it again for uh, as long as I have lips. And then, like I, I said earlier, it, we had to cancel uh, mm-hmm. the lips tour and stuff. So, so, so that's that. So then uh, when I had to cancel the lips tour, I was, you know, what can I do? Uh, you know, what can I do to get in front of people? Uh, and the funny thing is, if you think about it, a year ago, you never heard of Zoom. You never heard of Zoom at all. Everybody, if you did it, you know, with something called FaceTime, and then you did it on Skype. And then Facebook video came along at some point, and you would get together with people on that. But then a pandemic hits. So now everybody's doing Zoom. uh, and, And so I thought about it. I was like, what can I do? And so I, I did a, a test Zoom reading, you know, for the area where I was, I was living and, and put out an email to the locals saying, going to do this. And then got together with the people who uh, produce or who uh, put together and build and format my books. And they're knowledgeable in what you do. Uh, they, none of us are as well lit as you two are. I just want you to know that no matter who I deal with, no well, we've been studying and practicing this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I understand. And, and that's why I enjoy doing your show. You're the most professional. I enjoy you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, I know. I've done some Zoom with some people. It looks like they're in a cave or in a dream. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. 
So, uh, so, so I, I, uh, I, I did a local thing through them. I let them run it so that it starts off with, you know, me on my, uh, my screen, not, not, uh, you know, just that image that goes up when you're not on the screen, uh, you know, like this folks, there you go. So that's, <laughs> so that's, so I have that up. And then with each of my books, I've been very fortunate in that talented friends of mine from the music industry have written songs to go along with my ah. books. So I'll play that as an introduction and, um, not, not with, uh, the original lips, as long as I have lips readings, but more recently with the ones that I've been doing now with all of my books, uh, some well-known people have come forward and introduced me. Uh, you know, after the song fades, they'll come on, they, hi, I'm so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And I've known John since, and uh, he's a lunatic and he never knows <laughs> when to shut up. But, um, <laughs> Here he is, John Demo, and I'll go on. And uh, as both of you have seen, you know, I do like an 18 to 20 minute reading of, of, of the, and I did that for lips for a few weeks to promote the book. It was fun. I got in front of a lot of people, but certainly not as many as if I went on the road uh, and, and we weren't limited, uh, you know, in the way that we are. So, uh, so, you know, I, I had fun doing it. In the meantime, like we talked about, uh, Rubdown was getting ready to come out. But then ever, ever the marketer that I am, Thanksgiving and Christmas were coming up. And uh, there's a reason why I do sell the, the number of books that I sell is because you got to know your market and you have to be able to you may not be able to take out a, a TV uh, advertisement, but fortunately through a social media, uh, you can let your buying public know or the people that you are interested in books know. And, uh, and so for the last few weeks, I've been having readings of my four other books uh, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, not the following week, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, which I just finished one earlier today. I did uh, the delivery. Uh, sorry, I did uh, uh, as long as I have lips. Tomorrow, I'm doing uh, The Boss Always Sits in the Back. But uh, what I, I really would like to talk about is the one that I'm doing uh, next week, which I believe is the 12th and 13th, I guess it will be. Yes, that would be uh, next weekend, 12th and 13th. Yeah, 12th and 13th, I am, I'm doing both days uh, at 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock in the morning uh, of Pacific, and uh, you figure out the rest in between regardless of where <laughs> you are. You central are. people. <laughs> and, uh, and Mountain, don't forget Mountain. Oh, yes. And, um, and uh, I do a 20-minute reading of uh, Rubdown, which will be the first uh, readings of Rubdown, and they are available uh, for purchase now, uh, which is cool. Okay. And I've had a very good run of advanced sales on, on that. So now, are you going to be doing this through um, through Facebook Live or Zoom or? No, they're all done through Zoom. Okay, Zoom. Uh, but you, you know, the best place to find the links, folks, if you want to, is by going to a Facebook page called The Books of John Diamore. And John is J-O-N. Mm -hmm. Diamore is D apostrophe A-M-O-R-E. Or my page, my personal page is open to the public. Uh, and you can just go to John Diamore on Facebook. And usually, easily, you'll find a, a post about my readings uh, specifically for the ones I'll be doing uh, next week or the week that you see this. Uh, so there That's you right. Go. It's going to be out very soon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, that's great. That's great. You're staying busy. That's for sure. Right. I'm staying busy because now that I'm done uh, with rub down uh, uh, the, you know, the book covers obviously had to be done. The, the front and back cover uh, had to be put together and uh, I'm pretty much, you know, ah, rub down's done. Now the only thing writers worry about is that first box that gets delivered of books. 
and you pick it, you know, you grab the first one and you look at the cover and then you open it and you make sure that the interior is not upside down or, or that, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, everything is the way you hoped it would be. Um, and, and I've been very lucky with that, you know, with the company that I use. Uh, if anybody out there is writing a book and uh, needs a book formatter, I highly recommend uh, Genius Book Services. Just go to GeniusBookServices.com and they've done all five of my books and uh, hundreds of others. And uh, excellent, excellent people. And John is very particular. I can vouch for that. So you know uh, they they're going to be also, good. They, thank you. They will also <laughs> tell you that. I have my own style of the way I want my interior pages laid out, uh, the, the chapter headings. Uh, I'm the only person they know uh, that has a cast of characters at the end of each book. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, you know, because I started that with the boss always sits in the back. Because, mm -hmm. you know... People like, you know, Kelly Richardson or, or Kimber Westervelt aren't always good with the Italian last names when you, when you put 40 or 50 of them in a book together. So I had a cast of characters in the back in case you didn't know, you forgot who you were reading about. Who is this guy again? Go to the back of the book, right. look up, see what family he might have been connected with or who, he's, who he is in the story. And people have found that to be helpful. So I've done that in every book since then. Uh, and, in, and what's even funnier is in Dead Fellas, <clears throat> I talk about these guys, again, these were, these were mafia guys in Dead Fellas, but more, much more of a comedy, uh, who sit around and make what everybody outside of New York and certain boroughs of Manhattan called sauce, we would call gravy. Mm. Uh, and so uh, we would have a thing called Sunday gravy. Uh, that you would make with meatballs and sausage and, and everything else for your what what nowadays is just called pasta. We called it macaroni, you know, spaghetti, <laughs> macaroni, and uh, and um, and so in the back of Dead Fellas, I have an actual very authentic uh, New Jersey Sunday pasta recipe. Uh, ah. so yeah uh, um john john's a pretty good cook i've had some things he's made he used to organize that um the jazz festival remember the jazz festival at the hollywood bowl ah. you get all these people it was like a big annual event right wow yeah i would i would buy uh we would get approximately uh 40 people and buy 50 seats uh so that there would be space and then you'd have room to bring your cooler mm -hmm. and all that we wow. would buy we would buy five rows of 10 seats uh together uh and uh and every year and it was just the greatest party uh you know it was yeah was i know it was like i said it was kind of a historical annual event Usually in at the end of February or the beginning of March, I would send out this email going, okay, it's that time of year again. You know, this is how much it's going to cost. This is what we're going to do. You have me, you know, get me your money by this period of time. And once we have enough for 50 seats, we're closing it. And Kimbra, you were at a few, quite a few of those. I have, I have pictures of Kimbra. That yes. someday I will use for to, make to hold it against her because <laughs> <laughs> you know how picky I am like no don't show that picture <laughs> <laughs> she always has to have photo approval I do just so you guys yeah. know out there in podcast <laughs> land, I have photo approval <laughs> but just so you know she's never taken a bad photo um, no I would disagree so. with that but, <laughs> but I'm always telling John don't show the one without the makeup no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Always yeah, that was always a lot of fun. So, so that's what's going on. Uh, you pretty much got the uh, the history of my books. So, if when I, oh, so now I'm writing another book. Oh, oh wow! Of course, so I'm, I'm already uh, like five or six chapters into uh, my next book. And as I did with the first five, no two are actually in the same genre. This one is going to be a uh, a science fiction book. And knowing me, it's already leaning towards uh, uh, comedy. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I like that. A, a I like comedic that. science fiction story. <laughs> okay. Um, 
But the good part ends. The good part is I know how it ends already. And Earth blows up. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the end like of that, it but... is Earth blows up. Uh-huh. But it's not for at least it's not for at least another five years from now. So oh, don't five, they're going to say like, we have five years. Wow, well. they're going to say like hundreds of thousands of five years. I better get some yeah. stuff done. No, <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you know, you may want to take out a big mortgage. You know, uh, okay. Yeah, you know, do, do a refi. Get the money now. Um, Spend all your so, savings. So, what <laughs> other questions do you? ladies have for me. I was just going to ask you to, if we haven't said it already, to say your website again too. John oh, uh, you can buy, thank you, Jim Ryan, mm-hmm. I forgot about that, but you can, you can buy, uh, you can find out everything you want to know about me and more uh, in, uh, and, and purchase my books in combo discount packages. Mm-hmm. And, the, and if you buy them, obviously through my website, I will sign and personalize them for you. And for the exact same price, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but you won't get them autographed or personalized. So go to www.johndamore.com, johndamore.com. And uh, it'll take you right to the page and you'll see, you can walk through the, very few, uh, if you go to the photos page, you probably will see several of Kimbra. Oh, so you God, know. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, those, were, those were all from my LA days. I, I haven't updated that for some reason. <laughs> but uh, everything else is updated. And you can go to the buy page. You can go to the books page and read the synopsis for each of my books. And then go to the buy page and... Uh, and buy one or five in the combo packs or however many you'd like. And now, uh, that would any be plans, Any plans to come out here, you know, in 2021? Are you gonna, have you been thinking uh, about that? You know, yes, uh, yes, okay. okay. Um, it all comes down to the safety factor. I don't, and when know, I say I don't here, know. guys, I mean LA, cause he's in- Yeah, yeah. where is John? Yeah, where, where, are you? where are you? Right now, I'm on the East Coast. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I would, I would uh, say absolutely, because I love to promote the book there. I love seeing my friends there. You know me, and walking along the beach in Malibu, uh, I would just do that because it was, you know, Tuesday afternoon. What are you gonna do? Let's go for a walk on the beach in Malibu. John loves Malibu. That that's like your little place you go to to recharge right absolutely as a matter of fact uh, you know uh, uh, a lot of uh the book the boss always sits in the back uh and the screenplay uh when when i got to la in 1999 to begin writing what would become the manuscript for the book um you know, I guess I just got tired of hanging out up at that house up on Mulholland Drive. Oh, sometimes. yeah, that, that nice house and up there. And I would take my laptop computer and drive out to Malibu and go to a place called Duke's, okay? And that, and in Duke's, you know, you can either sit in the restaurant or go towards the end. I think it's called the Tiki Bar or something mm. like that. Oh, my God, I love a good Tiki Bar. <laughs> and, it's, and I would sit out on the sand, you know, under, a, under a, an umbrella, a thatched umbrella, uh, at a table, and they would have plugs, you know, even though I plugged in the laptop, but they would have plugs, and I would sit there and drink Bloody Marys and eat lunch, and just drink Bloody Marys, and just, <laughs> did I mention drink Bloody Mary? Yeah. <laughs> and, and take my shoes off and sit in the sand at these tables, and I would just, you know, stream of consciousness remembering all these things I did back in the late 70s with these guys in Las Vegas and all these side stories that went along. And I wrote chapters and chapters of, of uh, the boss while sitting during the day at, at, the, at, at the Dukes doing that in Malibu. And then, uh, uh, and then I would go back home to the house up on the hill and uh, do my eat dinner somewhere between and then go to the hill and do my editing of everything I had written that day. You know, it was, it was, it was really, really, 
LA is, you know, I don't know if people are aware of, they have these things, you take it for what it's worth, folks. Uh, they have things called vortexes, energy vortexes. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they say Sedona, uh, Arizona mm -hmm. uh, is an energy vortex. Specifically there, yeah. it is a, uh, a female dominant uh, vortex there. Uh, but in LA, it's a creative vortex. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have that in you, I mean, not everybody who believes they are creative in LA are creative, but if you really are and it, and it grabs you like it grabbed me, uh, I, I was, uh, as Kimber could testify, I wrote manuscripts and I wrote five screenplays within four years, four and a half years. And I would have, I would have screenplay readings, uh, for them and organize these things. And, uh, besides having parties as often as possible for well, <laughs> any given reason. Um, I, I think that's true, John, because as much as you can, people make fun of LA and there's a lot of people that make fun of LA or, or complain about LA. The one thing you could say that is true is it's a creative hub and you, you know, amongst all the people that think they're creative, there's also a lot of really genuinely talented creative people and it draws them yeah. there. Well, creativity is encouraged. And That's I've true. also always had That's a theory true. that I think at nighttime, because I know a lot of artists that work, the songwriters and writers mm -hmm. that work at night. And mm -hmm. um, I always, my theory was everybody else is sleeping. So the energy is free and the flowing. And so um, night That's is another true. good time to. I, I also found, uh, you know, people out uh, when, when I was in Santa Fe and part of a, a writer's group and, and pretty much anywhere especially now, you know, in the 21st century, you don't have to be somewhere to mm -hmm. do that kind of work. You can mm -hmm. do it like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm all over the place, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and can do it. Uh, people have always said to me, you know, why are you still giving uh, when I need help? Uh, you know, why do you offer help? Why do I do these? Uh, I do seminars on uh, self-publishing and creative writing and memoir writing. Uh, I've been dubbed the king of self-publishing, the king of self-promotion. And, and uh, you know, I, I do this for schools. Uh, hmm. Why do you do that? You know, when people uh, at these writers groups that I, I belong to, you know, would you look at my script? Would you do this? Would you do that? Why do you do that? And I'll tell you why. Because when I was starting, maybe it was just because of the people that I connected with right away. Because I didn't come to LA as a novice, you know. Uh, I had I was a musician for many years, had been there, had already grown to have a, a not a, a, a friend base. And my I had family out there who had been there since the late 30s, who owned a very well uh, uh, known restaurant, which we talked about the last time I, mm -hmm. I was on here. So, uh, and then in my corporate world, because I was so connected to LA, even though I was working out of Manhattan, LA was my territory. So I, I came there and I knew my way around. I knew people, but because of who I connected with right away, as far as in the creative end, and I'm talking actors and writers. Every people were happy to help me. You know, they saw that I had. I, I didn't come to them with no talent and say, "Help me get talent." I came to them with with an ability, with the talent, uh, and and they helped me grow from there. And and I uh, I think we talked about this the last time. Certainly, Kimbra who is uh, a member of the writers group that I was a member of when I first mm -hmm. got there. She can attest to this. Uh, people say to me, you know, so where did you learn? How did you learn? And, and, and I tell them that uh, always be part of a group and never ask your best friends for their advice because they'll always give you, you know, the, the one that you feel best about. The, about mm. Go to the people who don't like you. And I used to go to people in the writer's group. That didn't like me. 
and who, who really had a well, they'll be more honest. Their butt yeah. about people who, uh, you know, ones one specifically, who you know, was in the writers group, a young kid, younger than me, who just couldn't believe that somebody at 22 years old, like I was in the book, was doing as well as I could, and he just, but in the end, he gave in and said. But the writing, but the book is entertaining. And, you know, just because I don't buy into you, uh, because I know you, the character in the book, and the book is just fantastic, you know? So go to the people who aren't your friends for, you know, for uh, a real good review of your story. Because if it's really good, even they will tell you it's good. But, but that's neither here nor there. That's true. One of the things that I say... Uh, when they say, you know, where did you learn, you know, your craft? Um, and I, I immediately come back and I say, well, not only did I learn from the people who knew more than me, but I learned even more from the people who knew less than me, from the bad writers. Say that one more time, John. Say that one more time. I, I learned even more from the bad writers uh -huh. because I would sit there, as I'm sure you do, and you sit there and you go, this is terrible. You know, this is just not good. Right. And, and it teaches you what not to do. Sure, sure. You, you know, when, when they, you know, when people like that are given comments to make their thing better and they come back a few weeks later and it's just as good, it just teaches you this is a project or, or that I can't use as an example or this writer is somebody whose opinions I just can't learn from. And then on the other hand, there are, there are writers who just give such great insights into what you're doing. That's true. That's and, true. And the writers group that you introduced me to, there are a few people I feel that are like that, you know? Um, yes. You know. And, but it's not just there. I mean, sure. I, in, in Santa Fe, it's there. It's, it's no matter where you go. And the problem is, the, the real problem is, you know, especially now where you can't go to L.A. and relocate or uh, stuff like, you know, you live in just, you know, somewhere in the middle of Kansas and you're a good writer. And I tell people you need to surround yourself with other writers, good or bad. You need to surround yourself with them because you'll either learn because they're good or you'll learn because they're bad but you need to surround yourself with them to see what other people are doing. Right. And, and this now is the only way to do it. And so many writers are being stifled uh, because, because they're not around people. You know, think about it. Where could there be writers groups? Chicago, Santa Fe, only because it is becoming a, uh, an entertainment hub. I'm sure Atlanta, has really That's good true. writers groups. Right. Probably in New York City is uh, an abundance of them. Um, L.A., thousands of them. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, maybe uh, in San Francisco. I couldn't yeah. tell you. I couldn't tell you. Good point. But, good point. Uh, but if you're, you know, my advice to anybody out there who sees this anywhere. And, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking just about the United States. Certainly when I, when you pass me this link along for this uh, podcast, I'm going to pass it along to friends in, in other countries. Yeah, and it's the same true. to you, you know, find groups of writers uh, and not always, not always, you know, your, your genre of writers don't join a romantic, a romantic comedy group mm, or a sci-fi mm -hmm. group. Join mm -hmm. a group that is, you know, well-rounded, so that you could see, uh, so that you could see, and and make sure that they are at least following the rules of one book. Okay, people, people come to me, people come to me and say, I, uh, you know, I got so and so's book on how to write this, William Goldman's book on this, and and Sid Field's book on this, and I tell them all the same thing. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. You buy 10 different books on how to write a screenplay, 
you're going to get 12 different concepts of how to write a screenplay. Yeah. There's one great book and it's the most recent edition because they're updated every few years. The most recent edition of the screenwriter's Bible. Do write, a, write the screenplay according to how they tell you to format it and, and write it as far as things that need to be done according to the current rules. Because even screenplay rules change every few years. Sure. Uh, if you do that, you will have the basis of all good screenwriting. And when you submit your screenplay, it won't be like William Goldman. That everybody thinks, oh, he wrote a bunch of great movies. Therefore, if I follow him, no, you won't write The Princess Bride. Okay? Okay, it's you have you have to have a story as that's great to begin with, and you have to be a great storyteller like these people to tell it. So uh, that's my opinion on that. Anybody else have any questions? <laughs> well, John, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, and we always learn so much. But we probably have to wrap this up because we have yeah. another podcast, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But wow. thanks for okay. sharing all of your insights. That was really generous of you. And uh, yes, thank that's you true. for letting me promote my books. And and hopefully you can edit all of this down to about twenty minutes. <laughs> well, um, that's uh, Kelly. Don't want to cut editor. out any golden moments, but we'll we'll do some a little bit. Well, we'll okay. see. We'll see. And um, hopefully we'll have you back in 2021 because I'm sure you have more stuff yeah. to promote, right? Yeah, I will. I always do. You know, I'm the king of <laughs> self-promotion, okay? You are. I think that's a good title for you. I was telling Kelly, I said, boy, John gets some to the things. He, he gets them to buy the books. He just gets them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, you have a lot of interesting things to share. And like I said, that you are generous enough to share not only yeah. what you do, but to help other people. That's really That's not. true. That's true. Yeah, you're and you're very patient that way, I think. You know. So thank you. Thanks, thank John. You. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kimbra. And uh Peace keep out. safe, everybody. Okay. We'll yeah, that's see you true. soon. Yeah. Bye bye. Talk to you later. Bye.